This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Hello, this is the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and you can't tell, but right now I'm dressed as Deacon and not the Fallen Angel because I'm at Waterworld, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast because there's degrees. There's a little bit busted open, but this is Busted Wide Open. You're listening to us, so thanks for listening. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts... Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, our patron mailbag. This is episode number 12, and my volume is really loud. And I think it's only coming in on one ear, so let me fix that real quick. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And yes, Nick, as you said, welcome to the Patreon Mailbag episode. Sorry for the technical glitches, but we're still getting things under control over here after a crazy holiday season. But we are back. And thank you for joining us here on this show that we do for our patrons who give us questions. and We answer them. And thank you to all of our patrons who have given us questions for today's show. If you would like to give questions to us to be answered on this show, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up and become one of our lovely, lovely patrons who support everything that we do here and help us get this show out there to you guys. Yes. Uh, And then you can get all kinds of sweet swag and have your questions answered on the show long form the way we like to do it mm-hmm. uh, and Except also no bonus episodes that's no bonus episode questions guys <laughs> oh i don't mind that at all like I, I like being inspired for bonus episodes we can do in the future that's true uh, that's true. you know what i mean like i, I love that stuff so and th- so yeah throw throw them questions this way they fun yeah. uh, and i'm looking forward to what we have today but that being said nick this is technically our last show of the decade of the of the year and the decade. Ooh, we don't oh we're God. off this coming that usually we are on live on YouTube every Tuesday at 5 p.m. excuse me 5 p.m. Pacific 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at noon Pacific 3 Eastern. This Tuesday however we will be off because of New Year's Eve. Yeah. Uh so we will be back every single one every single Tuesday and Saturday starting on uh on this coming Saturday. The first, second, from third, today. fourth, fourth of January, week from today. Uh, but yes, Nick, I, I'm ready for these questions, man. I am psyched up. Our final listener questions of 2019. Thank you guys very much for all of these. They are awesome. Every single week is one of our favorite things to do. And kicking things off today, Martin asks, we all know Roman is the man in WWE, but if you had the pencil... Mm. Who would you make the top man? By the way, missed you guys. Hope you had both had good Christmases. Thank you, Martin. Missed you Hope guys you did too. as well. Seriously, thank you. 
Um, uh, you want to go first? Drew McIntyre. Braun Strowman. See, I think I think Drew has more upside. There's I literally can't think of a downside with him. Um, that's, he can that's be. Fair. You know what I mean? Like he's he's got everything. I just I'm actually unsure why they haven't strapped him yet. And I think it's only because Roman's already there. Yeah. Um, and we've said this before. Like we, I, I've said before that if I were starting a promotion, Drew would definitely be a guy I would look at as being like my number one top dude. The Based only the down, yeah. the only downside to having Drew is that he's so much bigger than so many other wrestlers these days that having him be a top baby, it would be hard to see him being dethroned and you'd have to give him some worthy bad guys and you couldn't really have like a lot of little heels that would be believable against him. Yeah. Um, the only downside I can think of and Braun Strowman would be even more, would be even worse with that. Braun's a monster. I don't know if you could have him be the man because again, he's more of an attraction kind of guy. How long can you have a monster be your top guy? I don't think there's a lot of longevity there. Although I, I, I know why you'd want to have him be there. But um, do you think at this point that Braun could be rehabilitated? Uh, well, I thought that that was going to be the case going into 2020. And then he danced last night with the New Day in the middle of the ring. Uh, and I, I was just like, God, no. Brodus Clay no. part two. Oh, no. Yes. The, it's, it's, the, what's the, it's the Michael Stromosaurus. Meme, just not God, no! Stop, the big, no! The big Stromosaurus, it's happening. Uh, yeah, they're they're making a bit of a mockery out of him, and they it's uh, I don't know. Why don't you have Nicholas come out with him and have another tag team match at Mania again? You Vince. loved it at the time, don't you? Walk that back. I did because he had nothing else to do, and I thought it was kind of a fun thing. Yep. Two you didn't years realize ago. you didn't realize it's that first knuckle. That first knuckle just sliding up in there. You know, the whole rest to come. And I'm sitting there going, nope, nope. I see where this is going. I see where this is going. This is the proctology exam, and you've only just begun. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I think that there's still some rehab they, they would need to do on Braun before that. But I say, I say D-Mac yep. would be my top guy. Thank you very much for the question, Martin. Next up, we got Marshall. Uh, choose five wrestlers that you would cast as the following. Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Leatherface, Chucky, and Freddy Krueger. Oh, oh, I love you, Marshall. You right up right up my alley This here. is all your this oh, is all me, you. Let me get let me get comfy here. All right, all right. So, Michael Myers, I would cast Tyler Maine as Oh wait, too late. Too late. They already cast a pro wrestler as Michael Myers. They cast Tyler Maine aka Sabretooth. Sabretooth. Um no, I would not have cast I, although I like six foot eleven hulking Michael Myers, that's not my Michael Myers. My Michael Myers is six foot, six foot one. He's just the shape. The whole idea behind Michael Myers is he's just kind of there. He doesn't move fast. He doesn't lumber. That's Jason. Mike just walks very calmly across the 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 concrete to get you. Um, so he's just a regular guy. That that's what makes him creepy. Is he? He's like he's any man. He's like an avatar. Um, so someone who is of average size who has a lot of stillness to them uh, would be someone I could see casting as Mike Myers. And I'm racking my brain right now to think, because uh, I've never thought of this before, like who I would cast um, as Michael Myers. But um, Does anybody have any particular stabby kind of uh, signature or finishers? It wouldn't even have to be stabby. It would just be something in, the, I, for me, it's just in kind of the way that they would uh, move. And I'm going through everyone in my head right now and thinking of who as like a modern wrestler 
would who's, make who's a good. Who's very methodical, very intentional, very exactly right. I'd say Samoa Joe, but you know, obviously wrong size. <laughs> yeah. Plus size Michael Myers is also not really um something I'm looking husky. for here. Husky Michael husky, Myers. Husky Husky Mike Myers. <laughs> not quite. You know, it's funny, um, he's a little short for it, but almost Daniel Bryan. Yeah. You know, that would be that would be a fun one. Um little tall, but Luke Harper. Yeah, I can be, see that. Would be, would be good Mike Myers. I mean, you'd yep. have to, you know, shave his beard. Shave his beard, but like, but Luke Harper's got that. Um, a little bit of that. It's a little bit uh, mangy anyway. He should probably just yeah. get rid of that thing. It's easier to pick Jason Voorhees because, yeah. you I don't know, know, that's harder for me because there's so many candidates that would, I think would be good for it. Well, re- oh, well, yeah, you, a lot of, you get a, you just, a big guy who lumbers around and just seems menacing, you know, prime era Kane. Yeah. Would oh, be yeah. obviously the the logical choice. And they even made a movie called See No Evil with Kane, uh, where he basically played a Michael Myers kind kind of character. Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees kind of character, big lumbering serial killer kind of guy. Yep. Um, I see. It's funny because I would actually pick Tyler Mayne for Jason over Mike Myers because I'm I'm all about the big lumbering uh, post Friday the Thirteenth four or five Jason where you like get to like Jason like six where it's. Uh, you know, or, or like even like a Kane Hodder, I wouldn't even mind that. Yeah. Uh, just like a big lumbering super zombie Jason. So, um, uh, who was it? Like, we were talking the other week about people that can just stand in the ring and they just stand there and you go, who the heck is that guy? Prime Kane, Luchasaurus can do that these days where he just stands there. And you go, who's that? Um, so, someone like that would be great. Uh, I'm going to throw a Brock Lesnar in the ring uh, for a Jason, you know, the, so the for problem Jason with, Voorhees. The problem with Brock is the way he's shaped is wrong. Yeah, He's too much of a block. You know what I mean? Uh, Jason's, Jason's tall and thick, but he's not just like thick. Maybe if you throw the makeup on him, I could, I could get behind it. Some, if someone can do like a, um, a Photoshop of Brock as Jason, I might come around on that. Brock with the, with the hockey mask on. Um, and Leatherface cover, coveralls. Yeah, right. Leatherface is pretty easy for me. Like, I, ever since he came out in the um, the face skin, uh, the he he came out in like the butcher's uh, apron. Yeah. It's a no uh, brainer. Bray, Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and he's Would erratic and he throws, he moves around and he's kind of the way he moves. Yeah. Um, you know, with Leatherface, you want someone who's kind of out of shape, maybe a bit doughy, but still big. Thick, you believe he could pick you up and just whisk you off. Uh, but as you, you can said, see him cutting, you could see Bray Wyatt erratic, as like your local of, butcher at the Ralph's. You know, you could you could picture that, right? Um, you know, someone else who's the right physical shape for it is Tucker from Heavy Machinery. Oh, I don't yeah. think ac- acting wise, no, but physically, he's a leather face kind of body. Um, yeah, I'm just racking my brain thinking of who else is out there who would be. A good leather face physically. Well, the next two are going to be the more fun ones than Evil Uno. Uh, Chucky actually is easy for me. MJF, because Chucky, mm-hmm. like you know, is not you don't have to worry so much. I mean, Brad Dourif played him when he was in physical form, but it was so short it doesn't really matter. You really is more about the voice, and Brad Dourif's also a brilliant voice actor. So it's more about his attitude and his voice than actual you know how you look. And for me, of course, there's no one who can talk more shit these days than MJF. 
and just him screaming and yelling when he's like, when he finally comes to life, like, you bitch, you figured me out. How dare you, son? I'll kill you. Like that, MJF would be really fun as Chucky. I didn't think about uh, that. That's that's fantastic. I was trying who, to put it, I was doing it like physical uh, Im, uh, impression, not really uh, like the voice, That, but that's a great way to look El at Torito. it. El Torito. El uh, Torito. Hornswoggle. Of course. The obvious answers, right? right. Uh, I, would, I would throw Daniel Bryan into this one as well. As Chucky. I think he, as Chucky. <laughs> yeah. I think he could do that's a so, good job of it. That's so messed up, and I love it. Yeah. Oh uh, last God. but certainly not least, Freddie oh, Krueger. Oh, 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 God. I'm so stupid. For Jason, Walter. <laughs> yeah. Boom. God, of course. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, so last one, Freddy Krueger. This is the one I'm kind of stumped on. <sighs> This is but a little I, tough I think because you spurred me a little bit with what you were saying about Chucky, because a lot of it has to do with the vocal, the the, the, yeah. the reeds, right? Yep. The pipes. I think I think Freddie is one of those with all the quips and the the quick quick witted kind of things. But it he's depends also on if you're talking mental. about like yeah, like Nightmare One and Two, where he's more of like just an evil guy who will he'll throw some one liners at you, but they're sinister, they're they're menacing, as opposed to like you know, three and beyond until New Nightmare where he became more of a cartoon character. And at a certain point, it was just, you were blatantly supposed to root for Freddy. Yeah. Where he was like, you know, he's got the power glove and he's, you know, riding outside the window on a broomstick and doing the Wizard of Oz. Like he's just a complete, you know, he's, he's a goofball. He's a cartoon character at a certain point. Uh, and I would love to see them get back to darker, scarier Freddy. Or if you even wanted to have like Freddy versus Jason Freddy, which I think is the personally, I think is the best Freddy. Me too. Fight me. Freddy versus Jason Freddy and Freddy versus Jason Jason were the perfect distillations of both of those characters. There are and, purists that absolutely loathe that that film even exists, and I challenge them every time. It's it's the most fun I've had watching a Freddy or Jason movie, maybe ever. So yeah, and it was honestly like that's. That is the perfect distillation of all those characters where they were at the time. You can retcon whatever you want. You can say, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street 1 Freddy is my favorite. But if you want to get scary Nightmare 1 Freddy meets Demon Freddy meets Funny Freddy, he's all of those things in Freddy vs. Jason. Yep. Big, lumbering, dumb, super zombie Jason. That's him in Freddy vs. Jason. Um, he just finds a bunch of kids partying in a field. He's uh, just murders all of them. Catches on fire. He still just keeps going after him and hits him with a with a flaming machete. I I haven't marked out that much in a horror movie ever. Like Jason walking through the corn, just trailing fire behind him and just killing kids. Yeah, uh, great stuff. But Freddy's tough because he is so unique, and it's why it's so hard to find anyone but Robert England to play him. Um, because he England has just kind of made him so himself. Uh, you could argue that Durf is the same with Chucky, and they didn't do a good job with the new movie. Um, you know, obviously Kane Hodder is is kind of iconic as well, but I feel like it's easier to recast Michael Myers or Jason because he is a guy in a mask. It's just about his physical shape and his body, and Leatherface to the same extent as well. Um, Chucky and Chucky and and Freddie are harder, and Freddie might be the hardest of all. It's e- it would be easy for me to immediately to say Minoru Suzuki as Freddie if you could somehow translate him or get a different person to do the voice because he's the right physical size and he certainly moves like he can move really quick and scary. Um, but something, you know, if you had him in the makeup, his eyes are terrifying. 
Like he actually wants to kill you and eat your babies. Uh, but aside from that, I'm trying to think of like guys who could pull off the Freddy attitude. Velveteen Dream is my curveball to throw at you. Uh, Too tall. I'm talking about just from presence and and vocal ability and all of that kind of stuff. Physical attributes are one are you know one thing or another. But I I, I don't I don't I wouldn't put height into that. Certainly size, like you were saying about Brock being a big big block of meat. Um, but it, I think Velveteen Dream, his ability to be quick witted, fast paced, but nah. you know that's what nah, I would it's, it's a completely different kind of quick witted and fast paced though. Like I think I think Freddie is is more. Um, he's supposed to be like the evil little old man from down the street, right? The creepy kind of older guy from down the street. Well, it depends uh, on if you're talking about Herbert talking to Chris. Well, because that's evil, but and that is an aspect of Freddy they don't really go into often is that like there's sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, he raped the kids as well as killed them. And that makes him really dark. And you don't want to root for that guy then. No. Whereas sometimes they kind of go, no, he just killed the kids. It was he, he just killed the kids, rape them. hid the bodies in the in the boiler and burned them. He didn't actually rape them. That would just be really gross. And he'd really you wouldn't like Freddie quite so much. Right. That'd be weird. Yeah, sure. He's the son of a hundred maniacs who all raped a nun on the night of Halloween one night over like a week around Halloween. Sure. He's got a nasty history, <laughs> but that's a whole different thing. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to come back to you on Freddie. I'm going to have to marinate on that some more because uh, I don't know anybody right now who could really pull that off off great the top question, of my head. Great question, Marshall. Yeah, that's a great one. I, I love, I love. you know me, I love my horror. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and try to dispute the merits of wh- who would and wouldn't be a good horror movie villain with Sir Ian Dangerous himself. So <laughs> I, I I certainly relent to uh, your, your nomination. Uh, th- why would not Jackson Riker be uh, your Jason Voorhees? That's a great question. It's a, it's a very good one. Very good, good nomination. By, by Andy Andy Jessup. Yep, good call. Um, Mark and Marco's stunt is Chucky. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, th- I think Andy's not Jackson Riker was from Martin's question about who I would make the top man. I think he was just ribbing me there. Uh, thank well, you very like, much, Marshall. Martin. Marshall. Marshall Enlow thrown out in, in here. He's actually answering his own question. He said the Halloween Five Myers was short and fat, so yeah, you could have Halloween Five be Joe. But you know, first Halloween One was what was he like? The, he was like the production designer guy, you know, five foot nine, barely anything. So yeah, he's just supposed to be there. The shape. Anyway, I could do this all day. Don't don't <laughs> thank you, Marshall, for the stuff. question. Uh, you know how to trigger Sir Ian Dangerous. Trigger. Uh, <laughs> Next up, Sean. Hope everyone had a holiday, good holiday season. We're almost on the road to WrestleMania, and I will continue to be skeptically optimistic going into the new year. And we will continue to be Indeed. positive for you, Sean. Thank you Indeed. very much. Uh, who, is going, who is going to have the biggest 2020? Give me your main title holders for the year. And I'm reading this as not who you want, but who you think will be. I, it's easy for me to say who I would want. That's Nick Fantasy booking all over. But uh, if I'm reading into where WWE has things on the on the path right now, headed to Mania, that's not so clear. Uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> uh, who's going to have the biggest 2020? I, uh, that's, good. that's a question. A good question. Well, largely because are we talking about like relative to 2019 or are we talking about like who are going to be the top guys in 2020? And I think that could be two different things. I think that, you know, the, the Keith Lee train will continue to roll in 2020. He's going to have a much bigger year. Rhea Ripley, the same thing. Like she's just getting going right now. 
Uh, I think Moxley is going to go from where he was to being a major, 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 major part of AEW, which has kind of got rolling towards the end of 2019. Uh, but arguably, Moxley had an enormous 2019. Yeah. Um, as far as WWE is concerned, they're kind of pushing that you know it's going to be a big year for Drew McIntyre. Hopefully, they're not lying about that. Uh, it's looking like Strowman might be going for the IC belt. That could be a good jumping off point for him, like you were saying, Nick. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a year where they kind of reestablish that Roman Reigns is the guy. They feel more confident in him now that he's getting over this leukemia. Uh, 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 and I think that they are probably going to go back to uh, Roman being the guy in, in 2020. It's, it's my feeling. Um, I don't know if, I mean, Roman being the guy, I, think, I feel like Roman's been the guy. We've just had this little interruptus where Seth has been the guy for the last six to 12 months, mainly because we're that interruption with Roman or with his leukemia. And Seth kind of picked up the ball and ran with it alongside Becky Lynch, no pun intended. Uh, did you know they're dating? They're being engaged by they're the what, way. They're what? They're what? They're dating? They're, yeah, they're, they're totally engaged. No. Um, but I, I think that Becky kind of came out of nowhere at uh, SummerSlam 18. And then at Survivor Series, it really got punched into motion thanks Nia Jax um and and the whole the man movement has encompassed 2019 I I, I think I, I still Becky thing is faded a little bit but if they get Oscar going I think Oscar could have a big 2020 um, I think she, she's gonna start by putting over Becky and that's gonna be all we see of her for a while that will be the worst possible thing that they could do and, and I'll, I, I I'm not scared to say that you're probably right uh my main title holders I I'm, I'm all in on Braun I think Braun's gonna have a huge 2020 uh, I, I I thought that, and then I saw SmackDown last night, and I just had yeah. a, a reservation. <laughs> I feel like they've kind of not known what to do with him, but they've just kind of turned him loose the last few months, and he's just, as we've gotten onto Fox and SmackDown, and it's he's felt more like that just big meat castle again. And it's just, do they turn him into like a super face, or does he do they flip him, and does he become the new dragon? And and I'm not. That's what I'm unsure of. But I think Braun Strowman's going to have an absolutely massive 2020. I think McIntyre is going to have a big 2020. It feels like we're at the end of an era a little bit, and that's why I'm hesitant to say Roman Reigns because it feels like that the Shield era, like Seth and Dean and Roman, like we're ending that. And I feel like Daniel Bryan's kind of you know we're in his sort of swan song end of his career. So who's going to be the next decades worth of superstars? I'm looking mm. at Braun and McIntyre and uh, some of the guys down in AEW. But if we're looking at WWE specifically here, I, I don't know how much longer Becky can keep this thing going. So, Well, I think that Roman is actually like, like you know, if we're comparing him to Cena, he's at like 2009, 2010 Cena. Not as not yeah. lol Cena wins the way that it was then, but certainly in terms of like time Super with Cena. the company. Yeah. Time with the company and where he's going to, I think, going to be presented in this year. You're referring uh, to Roman, right? Roman, yeah, it's yeah. going to be there, like kind of how Cena was at the turn of the last decade. So where he's got, still got quite a few more years to go as the top guy. So yeah. that's my feeling. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, next up, Josh, uh, have a million questions since you guys abandoned us for so long, Aww. but I'll, I'll narrow it down. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Good to be back. Uh, what finishing move do you think looks the most legitimate and what seems it would really put someone down to be pinned? Uh, I'll jump in here and say that uh, the Riptide that Rhea Ripley does. It's well, it's like, an avalanche one, yeah. Maybe yeah, avalanche that looks like 
that looks like some craziness. Um, and it's she's got that weird like reverse clover leaf thing that she does as well. Uh, that, that looks just gnarly, like it bends you in all kinds of ways. Um, the most legit for me, I mean, a four hundred pound man running you and just falling on you. I, I've had my problems with finishing moves like the coup de gras and you know little moves like that. But I mean, the six thirty is awesome. That's not gonna uh, really. That's not gonna put you down. No, but I mean, what well, what, come on, a move, a move, Nick, a move that uh, with that, like, if you, when every time you look at it, you go, "There's no way they can get up from that." End of days, their toes. Now, I really? Like it, I, I the reverse, the, the reverse self rock bottom. It looks cool. I don't think that it, I don't look at it and go, "Oh, that person's not getting up from that." You know, it's kind of like the Styles Clash, where it's a fancy looking move, but when I really kind of look at it, I'm like, "That doesn't do shit to him." <laughs> so it's a it's a flapjack. It's a flatline. Yeah, like, come on, that's not going to do much. That's um, fair. Big big elevated spike DDTs. You know, at like 1916 uh, Death Rider, those kinds of ones. I always like you know what basically what used to be the DDT when I was a kid. Jake the Snake, he DDTs you. You're dead. You're dead. And in real life, I've seen fights ended by li- real life DDTs. Wow. You just put someone's head in a headlock and you just fall backwards and crack their skull on the ground. That fight's over. Straight up. I was going to make a joke um, answer to this and say the burning hammer, <laughs> which is, you know, got someone on your shoulders. Basically, you just put them on top of their head on the ground. Um, but, I mean, here's the thing. Um, as far as, like, a move that when I, like, one, when I see it, like, looks really legitimate it's hard to not think of that when you see a move where you're putting someone's head into the ground whether it's a curb stomp or a ddt or a burning hammer or anything like that anything Pen- where pentagon's package pile driver or package, mus- oh, muscle God. buster you know those are the ones that really like a real muscle buster yeah like the yeah. sit down not 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 the not the fall on your back muscle buster but the sit down muscle buster yeah. the one that that is that can actually break your neck um yeah, <laughs> those are finishing moves that I'm like. <laughs> but I'm my, gonna go. I'm gonna go. My favorite right DDT. now in WWE is still Murphy's Law. It, it's it's the snap of it, the flip of it, the the fisherman nature of it, just yeah. all that stuff. Beautiful it, move, but it's another one that I'm, I'm I don't look at and go, that's gonna end a dude. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not in the same way. Like I'm I'm putting it on a scale of like because again, beautiful looking finisher. And Braun Strowman's running powerbomb looks like it would knock the damn wind out of you. Yeah. Um, realistically. But if I'm putting it on a scale of like elevated spike DDT, <laughs> where that just, I mean, it looks like your entire body weight is compacting your neck. And it's like I'm, I'm getting like an image of like the, like the new Mortal Kombat games where like you get the x ray vision and the guy's up in the air and you bring him down. He's the spine is and just all crushes and splinters off and the top of the head just splits open. Like that's what I see when I see that move. Murphy's law. You lose, you know, get your wind knocked out, you know? Yeah. So on the, on that scale, it doesn't quite hold up for me. I'm trying so to think in, of this. You're, you're in camp DDT then anything that's a totally modified DDT. DDT. I'm totally in that. I'm trying to think of moves that are, that are gnarlier than that. See, I think of things uh, that disorient you, that uh, take the wind out of you, things like that as well. I mean, you're going straight head injury. You're like ending yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm putting it on a scale. Like he, he's, uh, what did he say? He was like, "What's the most legitimate and something that would really put someone down to be pinned? Kill him, <laughs> knock him well, out, go for the head." Yeah. Like 
knock it's, out it's, their it's win. It's Christmas, not Halloween right now, sir. Ian oh, sorry. Marshall! <laughs> Got me going. Um, I don't know, dude. I, I, I watched. I know that uh, I think Andy Jessup did, too. I watched uh, Bill Goldberg in, in Santa's Sleigh mm. this year for my Christmas movie. If y'all don't know, I know it's. I know we're after the Christmas season now. There is a movie out there called Santa's Slay, S-L-A-Y. Still with the horror. <laughs> it's also wrestling. Bill Goldberg plays evil Santa. Evil, fire-blowing Santa. All right? This is one of the greatest. Uh, you can watch this at any time of the season, and it's amazing. Bill Goldberg, what is Santa. What is the other one that you play at the bar all the time that's the evil Santa one? Oh, uh, uh, rare exports. Or, rare exports. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if you haven't seen rare exports. Check that one out. That's a great one. Yeah. yeah. Scandinavian horror Santa. Uh, good stuff. <laughs> Thank you very anyway. much for the uh, question there, Josh. Uh, yeah. Next up, Andy. Wishing you the happiest of New Year's and glad you guys are back. Thank you very much, Andy. Uh, same to you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. One man. thing I'd noticed during indie shows is that without corporate sponsors or shareholders, the shows can do more ridiculous things that make no sense, and the whole crowd buys into it. Uh, the Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan match is an example. Uh, it's the number one reason I love wrestling. The number one reason you love wrestling? So what is your most bizarre memory at an indie show? Hmm. Most of the shows I've been to are were WWE shows. Uh, I've been to a few of the PWG events. Ian and I have, but that's that's the extent of mine. Uh, did, we weren't at the Liger one with the butt thumb thing. No, 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 I wasn't live at that either. The the legendary butthole of of Juice the legendary and asshole of Juice and Thunder Liger. Yes, <laughs> where you had multiple like now multiple like. They're all main champions. roster guys, yeah. <laughs> People that have like held belts now in WWE, all walking around the ring with Champa, thumbs up each other. Alistair Black, all uh, thumbs up, thumbs up each other's buttholes. Oh yeah. my god, Jeff what a Cobb. crazy, yeah, what a crazy <laughs> moment that was. And Juice and the Liger walking them all around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it would be hard to not have that be one of the most bizarre things you've seen. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, most bizarre thing I've seen at an indie show. XPW was pretty bizarre back in the day. Uh, Messiah with his with with his lack of thumbs. <laughs> but is CZW considered indie? Yeah, oh yeah. So I did go to one. I think it was in Atlanta. It was like two thousand two, two thousand four maybe. But I saw a guy. It was on the Tron. Or it was on the video thing. It wasn't uh, somehow they had a guy come off of a balcony mm-hmm. through a. It looked like Lincoln logs of light tubes, and it was about six feet high, and there must have been a hundred light tubes in there uh, sitting on top of two tables. Yeah, and a power bomb uh, through. I don't think that's what he's asking, but that's probably the most extreme thing I've ever seen. It's kind of bizarre cause you're going through that many light tubes, but I I've never seen anything at an indie show. That's as bizarre as the invisible man match, which basically was the referee selling the whole thing. Well, yeah, it's just a brilliant, I mean, that's either it's one guy wrestling himself. Right. Um, you know, I didn't see it live, but obviously, you know, Ibushi wrestling the blow up doll. Or uh, can, or can you make a wrestling the six the nine year old girl? Right. Um, Chucky e. T wrestling a match in slow motion. 
<laughs> throw, they throw they throw like a fake grenade, and when the grenade blows off, everyone starts has to move in slow motion. Well, that's, that's slow like Liger with his remote control again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The invisible, the, the invisible hand grenade. Uh, what was that? That was in Chikara. Of course it was in Chikara. <laughs> it's always in Chikara. Um, yeah, that's always fun. The, invis- the invisible slow... Oh, sorry, not invisible. The, sl- the invisible grenade uh, making everyone go into slow motion yeah. is always a fun one because that's... To me, you know, if you're, if you're looking at wrestling as performing, performance art, um, these are examples. It's not bizarre. It's actually taking it down to the basic concepts of the performance that you're doing, the performance art that you're doing, and rewriting those rules. So to me, it's almost like a postmodern pro wrestling, which is really cool. I'm not like Jim Cornette where I'm like, they're breaking the business. It's actually you're taking the art and going postmodern with it. Yeah. In some ways, which is I think it's a lot of fun. That's really cool. And they and Andy's right. They do have the ability to do that more so in the indies than they would ever do on TV. Oh it's, God, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna lose people immediately if you try it. Like Orange Cassidy is about as obscure of a thing that they're probably gonna be able to get away with on TV. Right. And people are still popping like crazy for it. Like the the pull who was the best friends pulled a ladder out from under the ring. Uh, last week, and Orange Cassidy was just laying on it with his hands in his pocket. I popped for it too, guys. I'm guilty. I'm as guilty as anybody. And he's just laying there on it. He looks up at it, and they shove him back on the. They shove the ladder back. Nope, we're not going to use that ladder. And he yep, just goes back. Up, and I'm just going. I'm dying laughing, and the entire audience is dying laughing. I'm not going to say there's not room for it in my wrestling. They're every now, like the smallest of doses, and Orange Cassidy is about as far as you can get in TV. But yes, you can absolutely get away with so much more stuff uh, in the indies than you could ever on any of the TV shows. The advertisers would lose their minds if you had nobody out there and just a ref in the ring calling a match that was two yeah. invisible guys. Yeah, Volvo's not going to want to run an ad on that, you know. Well, I, I, the first thing I thought of was the XPW show that I went to, which is one of the most uncomfortable shows I've ever been to because it was just so poorly run. There was actually a point in the match where they were having a, you know, they were a death match. Light bulbs, light bulb tubes came out, and they went for like a lightsaber hit, and they hit the two light tubes together. And as you would expect with a spot like that, the top half of one of the light tubes just went off into the crowd. <laughs> it was a scary show. New Jack was there. He was jumping off of stuff and being ridiculous. Sandman was there when he was really fat and drunk and uh, some chick was like drinking beer off of his chest and he was drinking beer off the chick's chest and it was just a, a mess of a show. But I can't say that there was anything like too too bizarre other than it was just a mess of a show. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Chucky e. T's slow motion grenade. All right. Thank you very much, Andy. And uh, as well, happy uh, new year to you as well. Uh, next up, Abraham. Hope you guys had a great Christmas. You were missed. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you, brother. Happy new year to you both and the rest of the BWO Nation. Thank you, man. Hey. Hope you enjoy that tore up Roman Reigns doll that you got for uh, for losing the Pickens Challenge. Uh, Dog Ziggler wants it back. He's already missing it terribly. He's challenging for it. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is, is like... I, I I had to take that toy away from Dog Ziggler. So like he, that match ended so quickly. The match between Roman Reigns and Dog Ziggler ended so quickly because he is such a a, a vicious beast when it comes to little stuffed animals. Wow, it's insane. Anyway, I uh, his question is a really good one. You wake up to an email addressed to BWO Supreme Leaders. It's hmm. from WWE, and you have a chance to sit down with Vince for thirty minutes. You're only allowed three questions. Everything's on the table. Anything can be asked. 
What three questions would you have ready for your interview? Hmm. I've been stewing on this for <laughs> four hours now. Well, is he is he compelled to answer any question I ask, or is it going to be let's one of assume, those things? Let's assume yes that he has to give an honest, genuine answer. Oh Jesus! To to your question. Uh, number one, what really happened with Macho Man? Oh man, that's a good one. That would be my first one. Um, okay, I gave one. You gave one. Let me, let me, you you give one while I think about my second one. Why did you I, think? Why did you think uh, Stone Cold's heel turn would work? <laughs> I think they've kind of answered that, though. I like Stone Cold actually has said like. It seemed like a good idea at the time, and he kind of gave an explanation for it. I'm pretty sure that whatever his thought was was Vince's thought because they were both in on it, which was it's going to swerve the people. We got rock. Um, you know, this will totally work uh, because we've got another guy. And then rock left, and they were like, crap. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I, you, you know how it is where you can easily convince yourself of something if you're in a bubble. And you can say, okay, the fans aren't going to like this at first, but they'll understand later. And it was like, no, they they don't want this at all. Um, you know, there's and Vince has had a few of those over the years where he's just like, I'm sure this is what they what's going to this will be just fine. And everyone's like, no, it's really not, dude. It's really not okay. Um, but uh, yeah, fair. I mean, I would love to hear what his rationale was for it for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a question in the chat. Uh, can you clarify what your question was about with what really happened with Macho Man? Sorry. Um, yeah, okay. So Macho Man and Vince had a major falling out uh, at the end of Macho's time. Partly was because Vince kind of forced him to um, resign from being in ring, which is why he had him be an announcer. Uh, and Macho, you know, and he just like, you're not, you're basically not, you're never going to be the top guy. Um, so let's find another role for you. And, uh, you know, Macho was trying to politic and get in on Hogan. Here's the real thing, though, is that they're falling out when they fell out and Macho left and went to WCW and had a number more years of being a top wrestler. Um, there was something beyond, like just the perception of the wrestling community at large and, and myself as well from kind of like looking at it and researching it was that it wasn't a typical, like a lot of guys walked away from Vince in those days either walked in and then walked out or whatever. Like there was a lot of coming and going and Vince came around on them. Like eventually they, you know, they could they'd get in the hall of fame or he'd bring them back or whatever. Macho and Vince never mended fences ever. And it was one of those things where Macho didn't get into the hall of fame until like the last couple of years. Um, I'm, you know, I, y'all made fun of me recently because I thought he still wasn't in because that's Same. how long it was. That's how, that's how much we were like, Oh, he's macho needs to be in. He finally got in. I was like, oh, that's right. And it was just, it was so also ignominious the way they put him in there, having Hulk Hogan uh, induct him, which was just incredibly insulting given the relationship, the relationship the two of them had. Um, but there was always this perception that there was something else going on besides just money yeah. or politics or whatever. And one of the theories is that. Uh, Macho Man had an illicit relationship with an underage Stephanie McMahon. And Vince never forgave him for it. And I, yes, it's salacious, but Macho's my dude. And I want to know why it was so hard 
to get him in the Hall of Fame and why he was persona non grata for so long, even if it's something um, as as terrible as that. I would want to know what the deal was with 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 Vince and Macho. So, so to to clarify, and sorry for not mm. clarifying earlier. No, no worries. Uh, I said mine. What was your next one? Um, let's see. This, that's the thing. Is this is one I'd like. Like I would want like a week to prep for this <laughs> if I have to interview yeah. Vince. If it was like. You're thrown into a room with Vince and like, hey, you got three questions for him. Uh, uh, hi, 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 Mr. McMahon. Uh, um, what? Man, that's tough. It's I, I definitely would would not have a question about him and his father. Mm. You know, like something something to the something to the extent of, um, what lessons of your father do you think that you? kept and held on to and which ones did you utterly disregard and why we well, we kind of know the ones that he disregarded and why uh some of them at least like you know don't ever be a performer don't buy up the other territories but i'm curious like what other ones because vince's relationship with his pops was very interesting very interesting yeah um I think and we I, said that that's what on that. the on a bonus episode or something that we did that was one of the things I'd want to understand yeah why he ultimately decided to turn on his father's wishes like of really turn on consol- him. yeah like consolidating the territories and then how yeah. did you get to the point where you just bought him out was it Oedipal? was it was there something more like did you and your dad have beef was it just you know that's what you believed you had to do from a business standpoint like yeah. is that just part of his psychology is Vince McMahon um, self-aware or, you know, able to look honestly inside himself enough to know what that really is at this point. I don't know, but I'd certainly like to know if he had any thoughts on it, and whether or not he'd be honest would be a real interesting point too. Yeah. And that's kind of that's that's not a very fun question to ask to ask. But for me, like, tell us about your daddy no, issues. Vince. Tell me about your daddy <laughs> issues. Of all things, I could answer. Ask Vince McMahon. Tell me about your daddy issues. No, uh, I mean the daddy issues are. Frankly, what spurred what we know today as that's WWE what I mean. into existence? It's foundational. That's yeah. what I'd be. I'd want to because here's the thing. Let's be clear. Vince McMahon is one of the most fascinating characters alive today, a- across uh, in any milieu, in any sport, in any form of entertainment in the world. He is a fascinatingly bizarre guy, like. Yeah. Consider what he's done in his life. Uh, the what he could do, what he could be doing, what he could like, what potentially how he could have run his life and his company and everything else, and what he decided to do. Um, whether it's getting his head shaved on national TV by Donald Trump, uh, whether it's you know deciding to betray his father and everything that his father stood for and buy him out and become this huge mogul of this bizarre industry that we all love. Um, you know, the XFL, like he is a bizarre dude and the stories you hear about him backstage, like all the, the, the apocryphal stories about Vince McMahon hating it when he sneezes and only drink, only eating like, uh, steak burritos or whatever. Um, (laughs) uh, the, the crazy stories you hear about the guy, like he's a fascinating individual for better or for worse. Like, is he a, is he a good person or a bad person? I don't know if I'm morally qualified to answer that question. Yeah. But he's fascinating. And one of the things that fascinates me about him is, is the motivation behind a lot of this. And a lot of that comes from what was up with you and your daddy. Yep. 
So I think, that's, I that's think, my number two question. I think in line with that one is why do you why do we keep hearing people say the same things about WWE after they leave? Uh, I've I've heard the phrase "audience of one" more than more times than I can count by expats. And why do you not crowdsource your booking or your information from this army of people that you have surrounded yourself with and entrusted with producing your shows, whether they're house shows, main events, main roster shows on premium networks, pay-per-views, whatever. You have this army of people, yet uh, we heard most recently this week from Arn Anderson saying uh, in a in a short conversation right. i think it was with Brian yes. Alvarez or somebody yeah. that um uh he says he felt he almost had imposter syndrome in the sense that he didn't feel like he was good enough anymore after he was just repeatedly shut down time and time again as a producer in WWE so 4 years of that kind of beating you down how many years 4 yeah come on just I'm, work, I'm, I'm, work, with you. I'm with you okay we're by here Throwing the um, four horsemen symbol. Nick is, someone, Nick is no selling me. Nick is no yeah. selling me over here. All right, come on. Hearing the enforcer himself say like he had been relegated to nothingness. And he yeah. kept going back to even though the creative, the producers would work with creative, nothing, nothing, none of their ideas would ever get through. Why not? Why, why not? And it, it'd be easy to flippantly say, go, they can work good enough. That's not why. There, there's there's a there's a, something else going on in there. The reason why nobody's ideas are good enough except Vince's. Well, and it's funny because I think there's a certain bit of uh, Howard Hughes syndrome going on here, where what Vince m- once once was might have just become. And if you don't guys, if you guys don't understand the reference there, Howard like the end of Howard Hughes's life, he became a bit of a hermit, and because he had so much money, no one really told him yes or no, or like he just became kind of a nut. Um, because no one was there to tell him no, you know, and I feel like a similar thing is happening with Vince. He's got kind of a bit more of like a founder's syndrome, like a, like a George Lucas with star Wars where, um, he's kind of lost the plot a little bit. Um, and I feel like a lot of good thing about your Howard Hughes reference there that I want to jump in on you with is that Howard did a lot of things, right? He got a lot of things. he He got a lot of gut shot choices, right? A big film that, that, was okay that was kind of the first in 20th century cinema yeah um and then he got the the plane buying up all the airlines consolidating the airlines he got that right so if you're if you're told you do things right enough times you're always going to believe that you're doing the right right. thing so look at the success of the attitude era and then the purchase of wcw and that consolidation you're i think you're more spot on than you realize how with the howard hughes reference no, but I we mean do. also, but that's no. I, I meant it for a reason. Is that you start off, as you said, doing a bunch of things right, but it gets yeah. codified and it gets to the point where uh, you never grow beyond that. You don't continuously try to challenge yourself because you just assume that you're right, and you fall back into the well. If I'm doing it, it must be right mentality. Yeah. I think that once upon a time, Vince was truly being told no and innovating and struggling, and I don't think that that's happening anymore. He's not struggling anymore. He's, he just assumes that and lets things happen. I want to know, like, I want, I, I'm curious about old Vince. Where did you come from? Yeah. Because you know, the, the once you're at this point, once you're once you're Howard Hughes, the long fingernails, the long hair, and the OCD, like, I'm not, I'm not as interested in that. Right. No, that's so, a, that's a really your, good point. What's your second question? Um, I think that was my second. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't remember where we are. I think we've each got one more. Okay. 
Damn. Yeah, I would. I would. I, uh, what What is your plans for handing over the reins? Oh Jesus! Uh, what what you is assume your, he has them? Because okay, sure, that could easily like, like, shut you down by being like, "I don't have any." Fine, but I would probably, I I'd probably still ask. Yeah, given that you're going to die in the chair, are you grooming Triple H? Are you grooming Paul Heyman? Are you is there is there active planning long term, whether it's ten years or twenty years from now, for you to uh, step aside and for WWE to continue to live on its legacy, or is it going to die with you? It is kind of where I would intend that question to go. Does WWE live and die with Vince McMahon? Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, that was your final question? Yeah. My final question would be, can I have a million dollars? Yeah. Uh, can I have a hundred million dollars? Excuse me. Can I have a hundred million dollars? One billion dollars. No. I mean, what, all of his how, about a, how about a million? A million. You, 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 yeah. you can spare a million. What's, what's, what's a million? What's a million? It's nothing. Thank you very much, Abraham. That's a that's a really good one. Makes me think a lot. He said also, yeah. uh, also was it me or was Lawler better on this week's Raw? I got a few chuckles from him, and I forgot how much I didn't like him. Uh, it was mostly overshadowed by Samoa Joe. Yep, agreed. I, I mean, he was better. It, I think the more prep time Lawler gets, the better he is. Um, I think he just got flustered last week. Maybe he lost his notes or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can tell you from doing this show, some days are better than others. Yeah. <laughs> some Definitely. days you're some days you're on, some days you're not. Yeah. So thank you, Abraham, and enjoy your booby prize, sir. Yeah. Uh next up, Patrick asked, This question has been bothering me for days. Uh oh. Do you feel with WWE having their own network to stream pay per views and dropping the price from fifty dollars to nine ninety nine a month, do you feel like it has damaged the way they pay off feuds? I feel like since the network is launched, pay-per-views don't mean as much as they used to. Like, for example, not announcing matches for a pay-per-view until the day of. Do you think they feel like they don't have to do as well because they think people should just be happy for the price they're getting? I, there's I a think lot, there's on, a lot to unpack in there. I, no, I, I think actually, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think that I think that in a general sense that yeah, Patrick's onto something here. I think yeah. that there is definitely um, an aspect of WWE creative that doesn't care as much about pushing buy rates on pay-per-views. Um, they're definitely, they're now times to sell the network and try and push the network, but that's not, that's not as big of dividends, immediate dividends. Um, so they do tend to, they're still stuck in a format that I think is because of their, where they're going with their format, the, the format's dead. Um, yeah. And if you the look pay-per-view at pay-per-view format, you mean? Well, yeah, and the way that WWE's running it. And, and I mean, if they're going to pay, like, they need to have some sort of look. And, again, it's kind of like the wild card rule where there was, they'll just throw some Band-Aid on it in the meantime. And the Band-Aid right now is, is well, we'll still treat it kind of like the pay-per-views matter. But at the end of the day, like, if we don't treat it like a pay-per-view, it's okay because it doesn't, it's not really a pay-per-view. It's a special event. It's an event, yeah. Yeah, so, and they're looking at it more for the live crowd standpoint, trying to sell a bigger house for a live crowd, pushing the live crowd. Um, and they still get some pay-per-view buy rates for their pay-per-views, people who don't have the network for whatever reason, um, or want to go watch it at like a bar or something, but it's nowhere near what it once was for obvious reasons. I think that right now it is definitely undercutting their creative, uh, and it could get worse. But at the same time, it's also something that 
could be a fairly easy fix if you just sit down and go, okay, why are we structured this way? How else could we be structured to drive people to certain events? Um, I don't know. I, I also I don't I don't like that structure because I, to me it seems obvious when you pay off feuds. You know what I mean? This, like I, from a storytelling standpoint, I like when stories are organic. Um, yeah. It's why we were initially so excited about Lucha Underground. Uh, was that it, it felt much more organic? Like yes, they had big shows, but it felt like a much more organic way of telling stories. And WWE is still stuck in that like multiple season finales. And you're never sure which one is the real season finale kind of situation. And even they don't know. Sometimes they just lose the plot on their own stories because they, they don't know week to week, day to day, what necessarily they're, they're aiming towards. Are we built? Are, are, the big one is WrestleMania. They know they want to build towards WrestleMania. So you see a lot of stuff um, being guided towards that. If they could have you know all the pay-per-views be markers along the way towards that consistently... That would be a, a, a great step in the right direction, but they don't do that. Yeah. It tends to be a little bit more haphazard. And it was that even when even before the network, it was kind of haphazard. But yes, I agree with Patrick here. It has felt a little bit more haphazard since. I think a lot of it has to... Were you, I'm sorry, were you finished? Yeah, done. Go. So the the thing that I'm immediately drawn to is the way... is is a society thing. It's an economical construct in the sense of everything's a subscription now. And these have changed everything in the last 10 to 15 years. He says holding up his phone. I'm holding my iPhone for those not watching on stream, which you should be. So subscribe to the YouTube <laughs> channel. Thank you. My point being is that yes. we don't, we don't, uh, we, we are cord cutters. We are app button tappers. The, the complete way that we digest content has completely changed or we consume content has We're completely influencers. changed. influencers. I'm an influencer. Look at me. I'm a Coachella. Look at me. I'm so pretty. <laughs> Yeah. So um, my point being yeah. is that it was a it's a much more ten dollars a month is much more digestible. Plus they got you for the whole year, not just one pay per view. Right. And they're they're going to throw you little carrots like table for three and here's ride along and content they're shooting with their iPhones and GoPros <laughs> and some paying somebody fifty bucks an hour to cut it all together so that they can yeah. just overload you with content because look at this amazing value we're getting all of this value blah blah blah. blah. It's like how often you, it's a gym membership. And this is the way you have to look at it. So there are the hardcore people. There are the bodybuilders and the pro weightlifters that go to the gym twice a day and they make everything they can out of that gym membership. And there are people that watch every episode of table for three and ride along and chronicle and 24 and 365 all, everything the network puts out. There are people that watch it. They are the 1%. They are whales in freemium models and in anything like economic subscription models like that. Me, I watch NXT in the pay-per-views. I occasionally, on a very rare occasion, um, will go watch a ride-along or a chronicle or a table for three. Right? I, I have the network for NXT and pay-per-views. And I would say that's the vast majority of people, but they're still paying that same rate that everybody else is. You're still getting that $10 a month that you're getting from your whales out of this little person that doesn't use the service that much either. So... It's it's twofold. It's one they're getting you for the whole year. They're getting you for the full month at least, not just uh, they're indoctrinating you into the network. You but he's saying like, way. what's what's the motivation to make make the pay per view special at that point? Because people stop buying them. 
People the, started people started cutting cords. People don't have cable anymore. We're we're not all well, I, satellite you know, dishes. No, we're not talking about like whether the network's a good idea because I think that it just to cut you off there. I think it was a good idea. I think it was very forward thinking. Yeah, it was. But is that hurting their model of shows? Like how the how the show model works, the creative so, model. Yeah, I, I was certainly getting to that. The oh. the the because when that changes, when you have to think about how people are consuming your content, and that it's a little bit more there, there's so much content to consume. You only have so much time in the day. So, do yeah. they invest the amount of time that they used to creating the content for pay per views, or can I go create ten other episodes of ten other shows, give you more content, but just we're spending less time creating the pay per view storylines? That combined with Vince hot shotting everything off the back of his napkin as he sees fit, it is not a good recipe uh, for things either. So, does the network being as cheap as it is dumbed down pay per views? I don't know. I think the idea that we have too many of them probably dumbs down the makes them feel less gravitous than whether or not we're paying sixty dollars or ten dollars a month. I mean, I don't. I, I think his question was something along the lines of, "Do they feel like they don't have to do as well because they're getting like we should just be happy for the price that we're getting?" Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's exactly the mentality, but there's certainly a um, oh. like we don't have to worry as much about drawing for like we, you know, like you look at AEW right now and they need to make you really excited to go spend fifty bucks, and in a world where there's a WWE network. I mean, on the show, we had people call, like writing in and being like, "Damn, that's a lot of money spent on AEW." Man, I don't know. The whole idea, Me. the way that the way that yeah, the way that wrestling has been built for decades and decades, ever since pay per view started, and before that, it was going to live shows. Was you talk people into the building? You you're selling a product, and your product is that match promo. And and right, and the with the pay per views, the whole idea was make people have to spend that 50 bucks to watch your show. Like, I got to know what, like, is he finally going to beat the bad guy? Is this finally, like, is he going to get his revenge? What's going to happen? Oh, my, I don't want to, you know, fear of missing out. Whatever it is. Like, that what was driving people to, to spend 50 bucks. Um, FOMO and, and doing this show is the one thing that made me give AEW 60 bucks a couple times this year. Right, exactly. And if you hadn't, they wouldn't have gotten your 60 bucks. So now that WWE doesn't have to work as hard, like they really don't, and no. they're not, and and I don't blame them. It's hard to push that hard. It's hard to get out there and push to get people to to buy something they don't necessarily want to buy. They're unsure if they want to buy. It's hard to do that. Um, but as a result, they're now kind of in a bit of a limbo, where people aren't taking their pay per views as seriously because they're not really making them as big of events. Yeah, it makes you know, me want to go back. I had to dig for it. Episode number four. June 3rd, 2017, we called it I Am the Cable, where we talked about cord cutting and yeah. the difference that the network made and stuff. One of our earliest episodes. Um, but I'm going to go back and listen to that one now. I'd be curious to hear what my opinion, how my opinion has changed over the course of a couple of years, a couple, three years. Yeah. But I was, I was a very early adopter of cutting the cord. The network was a boon for me. Um, yep. I, I started back in, I think, 20, 2012 or 2013. Uh, I I just didn't have cable, and I just it was an Apple TV, and whatever I could get on Apple TV was what I got. So I remember that you were actually you were actually a guy that convinced me to cut cable back yeah. in the day. So so it was uh, it was uh, it was a big deal for me for the network to come around. Do I sit here and judge WWE's quality of pay per views because I'm paying 
10 bucks a month versus that no but i see your point where you can i get do there. i do yeah. i'm like okay cool if you're if you're going to drop the quality of the pay-per-view because of this new business model then figure out another way to, to give me value yeah you know what i mean if it's now being if i'm if i'm getting more value for i'm only spending 10 bucks a month you got me locked in and so I'm, i might be spending 50 bucks here or there but now you got me 10 bucks a month all the time cool but you have to keep me invested all the time yeah. And building up to these kind of half-hearted season, like pseudo season finales, at some point, if I'm the average fan, that's going to wear off. So that's a good yeah. question, Patrick. Thank you very yeah, much. Definitely a very good one there. All right, couple more here to go. Uh, Austin, hey guys, happy holidays. So I feel the U.S. Well, title. Happy has holidays become, to you. Yes, I uh, feel the U.S. title has become the new IC title, meaning it's the workhorse belt. And the IC belt is just slapped on a person that's on TV with no true matches leading to it. How do you guys feel about the mid-card titles and how WWE has used them in the past few months? Uh, interchangeable. Depends on who they're on. Depends on what, what brand they're on. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with this. It's, the U.S. title has been in and out of prominence. The IC belt has been in and out of prominence. They're props for feuds at this point. Yep. It's uh, false stakes. I guess you could say the but, only thing. Yeah, sorry. The only thing I was, I was going to say, the only thing with the U.S. title right now is there's no other major belt on Raw. It's va- It's it's essentially vacant until Brock deigns to come back for the Rumble. So, damn it. So the U.S. title gets more prominence because they need a belt to do something with. Yeah. So they're going to do something with the U.S. belt, and the fact and that they're going to do something with the IC belt on. Uh, on SmackDown with Braun and Shinsuke. Theoretically. So. But the problem is, is that no one get, takes Shinsuke seriously right now with that IC belt. Like, everyone's like, yeah. okay, he's the IC champ. So what? So what? Get it, get it off of him, you know? I, I hope Braun brings some more prestige to it if they give it to him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Austin. Next up, Brandon. Finally, yes. Brandon. Uh, hope you guys had a great Christmas and welcome back. Thank, thank you, you, Brandon. And to you. Uh, including all promotions, which old pay-per-views would you like to have a comeback in 2020 and what gimmick matches? Thanks guys. And happy new year. Um, that's a bit tough. Cause like what, what pay-per-views do you miss? I don't know why I miss it, but Uh I remember it. I remember it having some killer matches. No mercy. I don't know if it got turned into something was else, it, but, but for some it, reason okay, in the so late nineties, is... the matches there, you had you had No Mercy. What had what is No Mercy? Match. It's just the name of a, of a show. Sure, it's no different than friggin' Backlash. Right, it's as stomping like, what old, grounds. What old pay per views? Great balls of fire. Yeah, like I I I, I see this question more as like, what, were there gimmicks? any unique or unique pay per like a King of the Ring? They brought King of the Ring back this year, and we were like, this is awesome, great. I, I love tournament pay-per-views. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like anytime you have um, uh, not a brawl for all, obviously, but like something where there's a tournament going on for some prize. I, give me something worth something special. You know, um, Evolution they should bring back. All women's pay-per-view. That was awesome last time. Yes. They did a great job with it. Um, and probably in keeping with the theme of myself on our on this episode today, Halloween Havoc. Damn it. Ooh. Bring back a all Halloween themed show. Everything should be creepy. All the matches of stipulations that involve something supernatural or spooky or Halloweeny. Give Alistair back his proper goddamn entrance. That that's what I, I would love to see Halloween Havoc come back. Grave ma- or uh, coffin matches. 
Yeah, have a have a have a. Um, last time I saw a coffin match was I was actually Lucha Underground again. Yeah. Um, yeah, buried alive match at Halloween Havoc. Grave consequences. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, buried alive match at Halloween Havoc. There you oh, go, Brandon. That, that's my answer to this. Boom. Um, I I have I I don't really know what get what gimmick matches do I love? They're still here. I don't I don't know that any right. are gone. How about how about this? How about do them better? Than they're doing right now. Maybe, that, maybe totally, that could be your. Maybe like that just could be had, We just had TLC, and it was mostly just meh. Hoot garbage. Um, I, I I pine for the day, the early days of TLC, uh, Edge and Christian and the Hardys and Dudley Boys, and that's probably the thing I miss the most when it comes to gimmicked pay per views and matches. Uh, ladder matches we have plenty of, but we the proper TLC matches that are horrifying. At some of the <laughs> death-defying feats, those poor that wrestlers those guys do just dying for your entertainment. Nick, the Hardys made their name off the back of it. Dudley's sure made did. their name off the back of it. Edge and Christian being able to hang with both those teams made their name off the back of it. And I, I can't think of anything where we've had three of the biggest teams and some of the largest figures in the industry in the last thirty years off of one gimmick, basically, one gimmicked match style. What about um, what about like the stacked cage match, like the one where David Arquette won the title? No, no, no. War game, War Games was good enough. I don't want to go that far. <laughs> All right. I, I, the double ring thing intrigues me. Um, I wish they would almost like cut the ropes out of the middle. I know it's the original thing, but I, I kind of want to yeah. see like a big rectangle match. And like, can you run the ropes all the way ring to ring? And just get like super speed and have Roman do like some crazy super spear because he's going that much faster. Yeah, uh, does he? My God, he's cut him in half. Well, if we're having ideas like that, bring back the House of Horrors match. Yeah, House that of Asylum match. match. The Asylum match with all the, the shit in it, you know. Oh, you mean a, a Monsters Ball match? Oh, sorry, WWE doesn't doesn't own the rights to that. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're right. Asylum match. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. There you go. Halloween there Havoc, you go. bring it back. Bring it Halloween back. Halloween Havoc, yeah. Bring it back. yeah. Show. I mostly just miss the late 90s, that's all. Uh, you, <laughs> uh, Nick Howell, sounding like every wrestling podcaster ever. Yeah. Uh, where's the attitude error? What's the attitude error back? Hashtag there were there were a lot of shitty things about the attitude era, but there, there were really a lot were of really I'm, good things too. That we I'm missed. enjoying things right now. We are living in a, a wonderful time uh, of wrestling in general. Absolutely, uh, there's oh, never yes. been there's not never every, no, been, everything else sucks. Wrestling is great right now. Well, I, I mean, you know, any particular like the, never mind. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> it's late. We're rusty. We got to shake the ring Woo! rust off. But not before we disappear for New Year's Eve this Tuesday, guys. Uh, make sure that you update your calendars and stuff like that. There will be no show on Tuesday. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, but we will be back full-time on the full schedule in the midst of Wrestle Kingdom 14 oh a week uh -huh. from tonight. Oh, Lord. So next weekend, it is going down. You better believe there's going to be oh, all kinds Lord. of posts. Please keep all the spoilers out of the Facebook group so Sheriff McDonald doesn't message me at 3 in the morning saying, uh, should I take this post down or not? That we, we have to actually have conversations about that stuff. Keep it in the Discord. That's what gonna, it's for. Those live chats are there for a reason. Sheriff, um, he, Sheriff McDonald's liver is already on the edge. Don't push yes, it over. 
Yes, it is indeed. Uh, don't do not make him uh, stressed out. It is the holiday season after all. Uh, guys, that is our show here. Thank you very much to all of our patrons for getting all of those questions in. I know it was last minute, uh, but we were just kind of coming up for air in the last 24 hours. So thank you guys very much. Thanks for hanging with us through a little technical difficulty too uh, earlier in the show. But if you're just listening to this on the podcast, you have no idea what I'm referring to. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, you can always head over to Facebook. Join us over there, facebook.com. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page and send us a join request to get into the group where you can find our the link to the aforementioned Discord server and community. Uh, make sure you're signed up for there as well. And patrons, uh, if you sign up for the Discord, make sure you go back to Patreon and sir, sign into Discord with your perk so you can get your actual role uh, from being a patron in the Discord server. I know that sounds like a lot of technical jargon, but you probably understand what I'm saying. Just go back and check your Patreon. Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast, and we stream live right here on YouTube every Tuesday, except this coming one because it's New Year's Eve, at Ooh. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, and every Saturday at 3, p- 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn man? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.